Well, that's being collected. Um, when we get the kids out front, children, young people, little people, medium-sized people, we're just going to practice something I like to call hog tying this morning. And uh, Lisa's giddy upping and yeehawing and get along, cowgirl. You know, one day this fellow's going to graduate and um, he'll get to high school one day. It's going to be really neat. You, you better look out when I get to high school, man. They're, they're a bit, they mark a bit harder than those year two tests you do. You're in high school this year. Wow. No. That's crazy. You're in grade one now. That's really neat. Okay, everyone all at once, tell me what grade you're in. One, two, three. Wow, really? That's amazing. That's really cool. Okay, you're in grade... Yeah, no, you, we've, we've done that now. We've all told me. Okay, so I have three ropes here. I've got a few ropes here. I've got a little rope. And I've got a medium-sized rope. And I've got a, a long rope. I'm, I'm going to try something with these because these are actually going to teach us something about God and how he views us. So th- these all are sort of like a list in our lives. These things represent, these ropes represent a list of the sin in our lives. You know what sin is. Sin is the things that we do which are outside God's plans for us. And so here's a little list. Now, this might be your list because you guys are still young. You haven't had a chance to do a lot of bad stuff yet. So this might be your list. This might be the list of the, the nice little old lady that lives across the road. You know, that good little lady that lives across the road. She, this might be her list there. Now, this list here, it's a bit longer. This might be... This is probably more my list or or your mummy and daddy's list. We're a bit older. We've had a chance to do a few more things in our life, a few things that we regret and not happy about, a few things that are a little bad that we're we're not that thankful for. And then we know in our world there's some people who, or some people that, that are pretty bad. They do some not nice things like thieves and robbers and different things like that. Maybe like, like this is like me. When I was in school, there was times where I'd talk in class. Don't do that. It's not good. And so I'd, I'd get like that. I had a mate. He talked in class, but then he also threw chairs at the teachers. This is, this is his list. And so when we look at these lists, we think, oh, these are pretty good. We look at the, the long list person. And, you know, most of the time the world thinks, and, and sometimes we do as well, but the world thinks, oh, that person, you know what? If they don't get punished on earth, when they get to God, he's going to punish them. And they'll face their punishment then. And then... There's a list about us that most of the time we, we sort of think about people that are, that are fairly nice. We think, oh, when they get to God, he's going he's gonna to be okay. He might punish them a little bit, but he's going to let them into heaven because they've done more good things than bad things. And then there's the, the people with the nice, the nice little list, and we think, those guys, they need to go straight to heaven. They're straight in. No worries at all. And we see these lists as all being different areas and different things. But how does God view them? Do you think he views them differently? No? No? God views them all the same. All the lists are exactly the same length. Same length, all the lists. Your eyes are wide open. You know, when... Because the Bible says this. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That all we, the God is light and all it takes is one little thing wrong that we do that's going to keep us from his presence. 
But that's why we have Jesus, that he takes care of all our lists. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see the lists anymore. He just sees totally clear and no rope and no lists on us at all. We might talk a bit more about that this morning, hey? Amen. Father, we're just grateful that it doesn't matter how, many, how big or long our list is. We thank you for Jesus. That all we have to do is accept and confess Jesus with our heart and our mouth. And Lord, we know that you're going to take our list and that you're going to give us your list, which is just completely empty and gone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can go back to your mummies and daddies. And how did I make the strings the same length? Oh, I got, I don't know. They're not the same size, though. Oh. I need some sermon notes. That would be helpful. I talked this morning about um, just talking to God a little bit in our conversations with us. Conversations are important things. There's certain conversations that are really important. Um, the end of, oh, I've got to get this date right. The end of 2005, we went, um, Pete and Dan jumped in the car with us one night after youth, a Friday night. I think it was about the 22nd of December. We must have been running, no, it would have been earlier than that. It must have been mid-December. Uh, Pete and Dan jumped in the car with Susan and I, and we went on this long drive through the night down to Port Macquarie and, and there. Now, as you do, I, I still drive through the night. Now, you get pretty tired with that. But the next day, I stayed up all day chatting with Susan, just waiting for Susan to get tired enough to go off to sleep because I had an important conversation to have. I'd driven down to Port Macquarie with her to have a conversation with Eric, her dad, about asking if I could marry his daughter and then... By this time, I think I'd stayed up for 48 hours straight to sort of sit down and have this conversation. And some of the guys are laughing because they know what the conversation feels like. When you sit in that chair next to this man and you're just like, and I'm like, man, I hope he's going to say yes. I brought Pete and Dan down with me as well to help me set up um, a whole bunch of balloons. We had about 400 heart-shaped balloons or something that we blew up then as Sue slept overnight and set candles up. So by the whole thing, after I'd asked Suze to marry me, we got up early in the morning and went and saw the sunrise over a cliff down at Port Macquarie and then came back. She said yes, which was lovely. I thought it was really kind and gracious of her. And uh, we had all these candles that lit the way back upstairs and, and, and balloons in the place and the whole family. I think I didn't sleep for 72 hours. I slept the next 24 straight after that. But there's conversations that we, we have which are very important to have. You know, we've just started a new year. Last week, uh, Colin shared about just at the new year and, and how we, we look to God and need to put our trust in God. But also, while we're doing that, we need to be active with our part as well. There's certain parts of our journey and our life that we take on that God looks after. But we also need to be responsible for what he places in our, in our hands. And a whole bunch of people have made New Year's resolutions or, or changed things as the new year started. Both my neighbors have moved out. Um, Christmas Day, one neighbour moved out, and then this week the other neighbour's been moving out, so we're going to be joined by new neighbours soon, which is going to be great, some new people to get to know, and hopefully get to know a little bit more than the six-foot fences and the busy road out the front have let me get to know the other neighbours in the past. People have started, changed how they relate, and, and different things over there. I was reading an article this week. Apparently in January, people spend 60% more on gym membership fees. 
But January is not actually the highest rate of gym membership sign-up. February is, because some people get lazy in January, and they actually wait till February to sign up for the gym membership. It goes up another 10% in February. Um, Purchases of alcohol and tobacco go down 47% in January. People make decisions in their life to change some things in their world, and so they decide to get healthier. It's okay, by March it's all settled back to normal. And people are spending more on alcohol and tobacco again and less on gym memberships than they ever did before. Apparently, only 18% of people actually make full use of their gym memberships when they sign up. So maybe we should start a gym. That sounds like a good business. But, you know, sometimes in these changes, we spend a lot of time thinking about them and a lot of time considering them when there are changes to make. And, And we pray and we talk to God a lot on those things. Sometimes they're... There are things about how we relate to others or things that's going on in other people's lives and we, we spend a lot of time talking to God and thinking about them. Other times we get caught up in a process and sometimes we're halfway down the road and all of a sudden changes happened around us. And I don't know, maybe you're like me sometimes in that, but there's the times where Every so often changes happen, and I haven't had that opportunity yet to to talk with God. I wonder if you've talked with God this year about where your situation's at, and where you're feeling, and how your world's going, and where things have landed, and what's really going on inside you. When you look in the mirror, who you see, and who you see looking back at you, when you consider your soul and your position, what's going on. You know, Thessalonians 5 says this, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you to belong, who you who belong to Christ Jesus, or as the other translation puts it, pray continually. You know, sometimes it's easier to do that. It's easier to talk to God at sometimes. Other times, we find it more difficult when we get down the road a little bit in something. Sometimes we find it difficult to actually begin those conversations and start them again. And, you know, I think it's actually sometimes our soul and our, our conscience that's letting us know something that's going on in the spiritual realm for what's going on. Psalm 24 tells us about a few conditions that actually help when we carry them on us, that actually help us in the way that we communicate with the Father. They actually help us when we communicate with God and actually help our prayers be heard in some ways. You see, Psalm 24 says this, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands, a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. And this is the promise then. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation or the habitation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Four things listed there that give us the promise of actually receiving the face of God. Clean hands, pure heart, humility, and honesty. Clean hands, pure heart, humility, and honesty. See, our conscience knows. Our conscience is well aware. Our natural state understands what it's like and what it actually means to communicate with God. Our natural state understands that sometimes there's walls that we put up, or it's like almost, if we we think about it, we put earmuffs on God, 
around us. See, He is love and always attentive to our prayers and who we are. But, you know, sometimes it's those subtle thoughts that happen that are our conscience sort of speaking. You know what? If I, I can't talk to God about this because I, I'm just not worthy. He won't listen to me. Why would he do that for me? Why would he care about me? If, you know what? If I, if I talked about him, I don't think he actually wants to talk. He's going to actually look at me. Then he's going to see what I'm really like. He's going to look inside me. And then I'm going to see what I'm really like. And I, I definitely don't want to look in the mirror at the moment and see what I'm like. And in some ways, our conscience knows some of the truth. You see, there's some things. If I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. See, the Bible's pretty clear and teaches that if we're harboring a continual sin in our life and continue on with it and give ourselves to that and make the conscious decision to keep running after that thing, we're actually blocking God from hearing us. But God's loving. Yes. But we're actually putting earmuffs on him when we do these things that he won't hear what we're asking about. If Anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayer will be detestable, says God. See, clean hands. For God to hear us, we need clean hands. What's that mean? A clear conscience. We need our conscience clear. You know, often the things that muck up our conscience are the things that happen subtly. They happen on the side. Change happens around us. We start going down a direction or, or things happen and we're not aware of something else going on beside us and all of a sudden we're caught up in this thing and go, however did I get there? Wherever did I... We, we don't intentionally start out down that path. But all of a sudden we've got to a point and we go, why am I thinking like this? What's going on for me to actually react? I responded how to that person who cut in in front of me? What did I say on that roundabout? What's going on in this car park, in this checkout, in in this park? What's actually going on inside me? How is this? You know, this was David. We know David was a man after God's own heart. And then at the time when he was meant to be going out fighting, he was sleeping one night and it was a Queensland summer. And he woke up at 2 a.m. because it was stinking hot and he was sweating. And so he decided, like all good Queenslanders do, they go up to the roof. Imagine that, going up to the roof at 2 a.m. and walking around. A little bit of a different house structure that David had to what we had. I think the neighbours would think you're a bit bonkers. I used to do that when I was a teenager. That was my place to go and think and be quiet, was go and sit on my roof. Um, it was nice. I saw the yacht races at Caloundra going past on my roof. And, uh, but David was on his roof, and we know the story. He went over to the edge, and it must have been a really hot hot summer night because his neighbor's having a bath in the middle of the night and he looks down and goes hey she's pretty and we know how the story goes he sends out and she comes over and and they watch netflix together and um all of a sudden get a get a little bit of a note back a little bit later and go hey i'm pregnant oh that's no good 
And so the story goes on and he find, it's Uriah's wife and so he sends for Uriah who's actually out fighting and doing the things that David should have been doing. Uriah comes back and David's like, hey Uriah, you're doing a great job, fantastic, you can have the day off fighting for me, why don't you go home? No. All the rest of the troops are out on the battlefield, there's no way I'm going to go and enjoy Netflix, so I'm, I'm right here, thank you very much. And um, stays the thing. this goes on three days, finally David the king decides I'm going to have a feast. I'm going to feed him up and I'm going to give him a little bit too much soft drink. And um, by that point, he's going to go home and, and still on the third night, he decided not to. So anyway, David decides, I've got to do something about this bloke. Sends off to Joab and goes, hey, put him on the front line. Off he goes, gets on the front line and then news comes back that he's been killed. And so Bathsheba, um, I always loved that name, Bathsheba having a bath and yeah, it's bad. It's good. And, and so anyway, she, so she goes through mourning and then she becomes David's wife. In this time, we know Nathaniel comes up and, and starts talking to David and gets in his face and goes, Hey, David, this has been this man. And he was having a feast. This guy came and this traveler came and he needed to have a feast. He owns so many McDonald's, but he didn't use his own, his own food. He went down and he actually robbed the hungry jacks down the road. And he set up the feast with the Hungry Jacks down the road. And that guy only had one Hungry Jacks, and he had a whole slew of franchises of McDonald's going on. David's fuming at the mouth, going, how dare he do this? This is no good. Where is this man? We're going we're gonna to take him out. And Nathaniel looks at him and goes, that's you, sire. You had all these wives and concubines, and yet you went and stole your eyes. And it's at that moment that David shows us how we handle this. He'd got down this road and just kept going, and going, it was just a hot night that he got up one night and all of a sudden he just tripped into it. He made some decisions along the way. I'm sure there was some flag posts went up in his mind going, hey, this isn't quite right. But we're going to, nah, I, I've gone too, down the road too far now. I'm going to quiet that thought now. No, nah, I've just got to, I can't let anyone know. I've just got to cover this up. I've got to keep it quiet. And you know what, if they find out at church, oh, no, I'm I won't be able to serve on ministry anymore. Oh, and if I find out there, oh, how, how will I ever face them? How will I ever face my mates if they really know what's going on inside me? How will they know if they know what I'm thinking, if they know what I'm, what I'm up to? And so David's gone down that track, and he's in that point, and it's then that he gives us the key to what's actually going on and, and the key to actually how to Go through it. David said to Nathan at that point, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord's taken away your sin. You're not going to die. David sat there at that moment, put his hands up in the air and goes, yep, you got me. I've sinned. As John later on puts it, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Before we talk about what this is, I just want to mention briefly about what this verse is not saying. Okay? You know, in the, all the New Testament, this is the only place that it tells us to confess our sins to God, that it tells us when we're believers to confess our sins to God. The only verse. In James, it talks about confessing our sins one to another. 
The other times that it talks about confession, it's talking about pre-Jesus time anointing. It's talking about them coming out to John in the desert and confessing sins at that time. The word confession is used more often in the Bible to confess the truth of Jesus. This is the only time when it talks about confessing our sins to God. So let me just help understand one of the things that's a subtle lie of the enemy that seeps through. One of the things that we we sort of step through there, that we need to continually confess our sins to keep our salvation intact. But hang on, didn't you just say that? Confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Don't we have to confess our sins to be saved? Romans 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, we actually have to confess Jesus, not confess our sin. Our confession is Christ. Our confession is Christ is the Lord. Our confession is Christ is the King. Our confession is Christ is the Son of God. He has the power to take away my sin. And, and the Bible goes on and talks about that. He has placed his righteousness inside us. See, actually our salvation is based on our confession of Christ. And his desire is he's made us righteous and holy. It is with your heart that you will believe and justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith, and are saved. Now, back in the Old Testament, let's go through a couple of things just to clarify this. Back in the Old Testament, Hebrews 10 talks about the sacrifices that they used to make, the priests used to make. And it says they were useless because the moment you walked away from church at that point, it did nothing. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered for the worshippers all were cleansed, for worshippers were being cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilt for their sins. If the sacrifices worked, there wouldn't have been guilt for their sins. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again, offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for one time, for all time, one sacrifice for sins, he sat down talking about Jesus at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So what's that saying? Christ sacrificed once. We don't need to keep going back to the cross for our sins to be forgiven. That has happened. Our salvation is intact in the act of Calvary, our eternal salvation. And notice there, it didn't say we were made perfect on that day. We're being made perfect. We are progressively being transformed into his likenessness from glory to glory by that act. But our salvation at that day and that one-off act was made secure. So we don't need to keep confessing our sins to make it there. Otherwise, it becomes our righteousness. Oh, I stuffed up. I've got to offer that to God. Otherwise, he's going to wipe me out. Otherwise, we're living a stressful life, aren't we? Because that moment before we die, we've got to remember everything wrong we've done and list it all off before God before we go there. Or it becomes a balance like the rope that we we hold up. Now, am I saying then we don't need to confess? No, we just read we needed to confess our sins to God. What's that about? It's not about forgiveness at that point. He says he's quick to forgive. It's talking past tense. 
He's swift. He's already forgiven our sins. But we were talking before about God getting earmuffs on in our relationship. So when we actually sin, what we're doing is we're blocking up the avenue of communication. And what we do is we come down and we say, Lord, I'm sorry. I stuffed up. And it cuts down those walls. And we have that clear conscience that Hebrews is talking about at that point. We have a clear conscience before God. I love this verse. Their sins, their lawless acts, I'll remember no more. That's the one-off act that God did for us. See, we know this verse off in, in Romans 5, don't we? When the law brought in the trespass, trespass might increase, but where there's sin increased, grace increased all the more. See, sin is something that actually doesn't trouble God. God is not troubled by sin. In actual fact, the more sin that happens, the more his grace abounds and the better his grace looks and the more amazing his grace, it caused Luther to say this, sin and sin vigorously. Even if I committed adultery and even if I murdered a thousand times in one day, it would not shake my salvation because it's all the more his grace abounds. Paul goes on and says, what shall we do then? Shall we go on sinning? That grace could be awesome and we could proclaim the grace of God? By all means, no. Because we're not saved, we're not forgiven to be forgiven. We're not forgiven to live a life of forgiveness. This is the truth I want you to get under in your heart this morning is you're forgiven to live a life of faith. We're not forgiven to live a life of forgiveness. We're not forgiven to continually come before and go, I need my salvation, so I've got to confess, got to confess, got to confess. Oh, this weight of Christianity. I was better off before I ever got there. We're forgiven that we could actually live the life of faith. I am a new creation. I am the righteousness of God. I am his life. He has his life that he has put inside me. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and I am seated next to him. And yet we have the problem that sin still remains. Sin still remains in us. And so we confess it so that we can actually talk to God. And we can actually have that conversation that happens with God. See, the Holy Spirit is more interested in convicting us about righteousness than he is about sin. He's more interested in talking to us about the things we should be doing than the things we shouldn't. He's always more likely to tell you that. So if you're in that place and you're feeling guilty, that's not the Holy Spirit that's making you feel that way. That's not God's emotion, guilt. Satan's the accuser. Satan's the one that condemns. He's the one that brings you down. But God wants to set you free. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is for freedom. So when we have a clean, clean hands, which is through guilt-free, when we confess our sins to remove that, and he is faithful to bestow upon us righteousness. He's faithful at that point to remove the unrighteousness. And what that means is when we confess our sins, what he's actually doing is going, let me help you not do that anymore. Let me help you walk a different way. Let me help you walk a clean way when he pulls that out of us. And that's the motive, isn't it? That's the pure heart that's inside us when he listens. 
you know, I just really felt as we started off this year that maybe you're at the point and, and you've been praying and, and you've already been prayed up and, and you know where you're going and it's just been the easy conversations with God. I'm probably not talking to you at the moment. But maybe you're like the rest of us that often start off the year and go, wow, I really didn't talk to Jesus as much as I wanted to last year. Wow, I've been acting like that. I've been thinking like that. Hang on, I know that I'm meant to love people, but that's not the thought I've been having about people. Wow, I feel so guilty and downtrodden. I wish I'd feel encouraged and a bit up. Mate, if you're like that, sometimes it's hard to begin the conversation with God again. It's hard to actually pour out. But David did. He said, Lord, I sinned. And then it goes on. The next thing he did, he just started talking to God. He prayed. He fasted. So this morning, I just want to give us some time. The worship team's going to come. And before we take communion this morning, they're just going to pray, um, play that song, Song of My Father again. And let's just, we'll just sit at the moment in that and just let the Holy Spirit speak and, and guide your heart. And if there's things that you need to outlay to him, just speak them to him. Speak them in your heart, speak them in your mind, speak them with your mouth. Tell him where you're at and what's going on. I remember when I was um, just finishing school and I was, I was known as the, the Jesus guy in our grade at our school. I was, I was the bit of the Bible, Bible nerd that, that had gone around, which I'm proud for. Actually, my son, I was talking to, he was at a party last year and we were at, um, there and one of the mums came up to me and said, oh, who's your child? I'm Josiah. Oh, he's from that Bible mob. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> All right, good on you, lad. And uh, so anyway, I, I, we, finished, we finished high school, and I, I went down, and, and one of my mates asked me to pray for him for something, which wasn't all that righteous. Anyway, um, he caught me out of the room, and, and we had a bit of a yarn, and I went back in the room, and all my mates were pestering me to tell them what, what he was actually talking to me about. And um, after a bit of peer pressure, eventually I, I gave in, and then they all gave him a really hard time for it. Um, there's kids in the room, so I'm not going to talk about what the story was. Uh, but it involved Netflix. And uh, so anyway, there we go in. and <laughs> Afterwards, he finds out, and he looks at me, and, and he used the most piercing words that have ever pierced my soul. Do you even know God? And I was at that place where I'd stumbled down a track and went, okay, I uphold the banner of Jesus, but I looked in the mirror at that moment, I'm going, I don't like who I'm looking at, and I don't see Jesus in who I'm looking at, and this is what I needed to do, I just needed to outlay and go, Lord, I'm, yep, I got to a point. It's amazing how quick, as soon as we can open the door, God just clears it up pretty much instantly, and then we just start talking, this is where I'm at, Lord, this is where I'm at. And that's when we begin to really confess, not our sin, but we confess Jesus. We confess the truth about who we are. Lord, I know you've called me to be righteous. I know you've made me the holiness of God. I know you have made me. You're transforming me from glory to glory. You've put your image inside me. I'm your ambassador. I no longer have to sin because I'm actually a slave to righteousness, not sin. And so we're just going to ask the worship team just to, just to play. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that right now you would search our hearts. And that, Lord, you would lead us in all the ways of righteousness. Lord, lead us in your paths, Father. We just want to be connected with what you're saying to us. And 
Lord, we want to do some business with you, actually, in that quiet still point and talk to you. So let me say right now, you've got freedom to kneel, lie, sit, stand, whatever you need to do now. Be conscious of people around you, but you've got freedom in this place.